Welcome to an eye on the Illini and sturdy for 30 simulcast. This is Illini guy, Mike. I'm here with Illini guy, Brad and Illini guy, Kedrick. We are talking about the NBA draft tonight and talking about where IO ended up getting drafted. An interesting night to say the least for IO and for Illini fans. Brad, break it down for us. What are your thoughts? Well, obviously, I think, uh, you know, Io went lower than most people expected and lower than we expected and lower than what he expected. So, um, but at the end of the day, he ended up in a great fit. He's staying home. He's playing for, he's one of the best, you know, he's one of the best guards in the country this year in college. Now he's going to stay home and play in Chicago. Um, and he will, he will do well. I think he's got a chance to do well there. Um, he fits with the Bulls need. I mean, he worked out for them. He had a great workout for them. I, I think there were some things that happened with, with the trades and different things and guys sliding because of trades up higher that allowed a guy like, you know, maybe a Cam Thomas to get taken in a slot where IO could have gone and, or somebody traded out of a spot where they were looking at IO because they, they saw another guy um, that they could get later. So there was a lot of things that happened. And, you know, and also I think that NBA GMs, you can see they're basically picking, you know, long athletic guys, whether they can play basketball or not is secondary. They just want the long athletic guys. And then they figure it out, you know, so give me a six, seven to six, nine wing and, and we'll figure it out. And hopefully we teach him to shoot and dribble and pass and play basketball. <laughs> yeah. Kedrick, what are your thoughts on this? I know, I know you were frustrated. I am, and it's hard to follow Brad right now because Brad is always politically correct. But I'm going to tell you, I'm hot. I'm not happy. Um, I don't hide the fact that I don't watch the NBA. I don't like it. I haven't liked it, and I'm not going to continue to like it. I will watch Isle when he plays for the Bulls, and that and that'll be it. I just there's no rhyme or reason for this. You, there's just not – it makes no sense to me the method that they use. You have a guy – I mean, this is no disrespect to some of these kids. You know, a Jane Springer from Tennessee, she was 41% from the field and 30% from three, and he gets drafted in the first round. I guess, you know, when I was in the draft last year, all you heard was you got to improve your mid-range game. I even heard one scout say, well, you got to shoot better than 68% from the free throw line, and you got to shoot better than three. And then show us you can lead and win. He's done all those things. Like Brad said, I guess playing basketball doesn't matter. And this seems really trivial, but you're drafting guys that average seven or eight points a game, shooting 30% from the three, three, 55% from the free throw line, but, but they could jump out of the gym. What happened to playing basketball? And, yes, there's some slightness from me because, you know, I want to say I'll do well. But I'm going to tell you what, and I don't know, and I'm looking for an answer from anybody who listens to this podcast. You can tweet it to me, to Michael Brad. Here's what I'm concerned about, gentlemen. Jalen Smith was the last – he was the only Big Ten player picked last year in the first round – Wagner, Wagner from Michigan was the only guy picked in the first round this year. The Big Ten has to change. They either need to change something because right now, if I'm in the SEC in the Big 12, I'm using that against the Big Ten. You've had two guys and 60 picks in the first round last year and this year. Now, I heard one parent say to me, who's looking at Illinois and a couple of SEC schools, that the difference is the coaching is too good in the Big Ten. 
the scouting is too good, so the players aren't able to showcase what they can do because in the SEC and the Big 12 and, you know, other Pac-12, they don't do that. Uh, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong, but whatever they're doing, it's not working because you can't tell me that all these players in this conference, like Cassius Winston last year, he went, like, late in the second round. These are great players, and I don't understand why the Big Ten is being punished or maybe something political, but it's, it's a fact. They can't get guys in the, in the league, and it's a bad look. Well, and, and I think part of that goes back to my um, article on the ref, the ref, you know, um, you do have a style in the Big Ten that just allows, I mean, you look at over the last 25 years, you know, you have the grab and hold of Purdue, the grab and hold of Michigan State, and the grab and hold of Wisconsin that is just, it's allowed. And in other conferences, that type of defense is, is just, you know, they call a foul and they, they move on and, and guys foul out of games or teams, you know, get bombed by the free throws. And in the Big Ten, you know, you can have Io get punched in the face and not even get a, a call. And I, I think part of that, the Big Ten really needs to look at, and I hate to say this, I don't want to be like a sellout, but they need to look and, and see, is our game fun to watch? And then the other part is, is does it allow the athletes to use their skills and get ahead? Because if you're playing a, a style of ball that allows the, the lesser talented people to use their physicality to, to beat up the better athletes, well, now we're back to the Pistons versus Michael Jordan. And the NBA learned a long time ago that you can market it a lot better by letting the great athletes showcase their skills. Brad, you well, had Mike, to hear the two of us. Well, Mike, you know, if you think about the Michigan State game, Look at, at when Illinois played Michigan State. I mean, look what that was like. Look yeah. at what happened to Iowa, and look what happened to Kofi. And that's a perfect example of what you're talking about. And I and I think you just said it. That's what one of the recruits parents said to me. They can't showcase their skills because it's so physical. And I do think there's some truth to it. And, you know, I don't know what you guys think about how good the coaching is. Coach Underwood has said it multiple times. You got to bring it every night against the top to the bottom because people are taken away from what you're doing and maybe the other conferences are allowing it. I still don't think they should punish the kids for that because Iowa was an up-and-tempo kind of player. Michigan State plays that way. Iowa played that way. Not all the teams. I mean, Wisconsin doesn't, but I guess, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's, on mine, it's frustrating, but there has to be some changes because if they don't, Mike, like you said, I can see why other players want to go to other schools. Sorry for cutting you off. I just, I just wanted to, you know, to comment on that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go different because here's the reality. What's that? So the guy who went 38th for the Bulls in 2019 signed a four-year deal, guaranteed 2.4 million, and, he, and it's over six million dollars for four years. So that's what I was looking at um, as far as a contract. We, we it's it's changed a little bit. There were 20 double digit scorers in the NBA last year who came from the Big Ten Conference. 20 double digit scorers from the Big Ten last year. The second contract is where the guys make the real money. And that's at the end of the day, that's what you're looking at. Mike Conley just did, you know, $153 million. So if you're a good salesman, I don't think it matters. Uh, the, 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 all this stuff is just, it, it's just talk. 
Um, I, so I don't worry about that stuff. You know, you know, you got guys like, you know, look, look at the, I mean, you got all kinds of guys who are playing in the big 10 or playing in the NBA doing well from the big 10. Um, you know, so I, I don't really concern myself too much with that talk. I think that that's part of your job as a salesman, as a coach is to make sure that people, you know, understand that. Now, do I think the big 10 is too physical? I do. I think there are times when they could be less physical, but at the same time, I look at it this way, Sharif Cooper scored 20 points and averaged eight assists at Auburn. And he fell out of the first round. He got, he just got picked as the 18th pick in the second round. So I think that it's more, a. my guess is that it's probably more a representative of the fact that I, I don't think that these guys in the NBA GMs, I don't think they value basketball skills in the first contracts and then they get these guys in and then they suck and then they wonder why they suck. I mean, I, they say, it's man, true. I just, You're exactly I have right. so much, this kid has so much upside, so much talent. And, and sometimes you're picking for that. I get what you're saying. Like, I think what they, what they do is they look at it this way. Like if I'm picking like 20th in the draft, I'm taking a guy with massive upside because I'm trying to find a star because it's a star driven league. And, but if I'm picking like at the end of the first round early, some of these guys like, you know, Chicago took IO. That's I think that was a good fit, but I could have seen IO going to a, a Brooklyn. I know they were yep. interested a Denver, something like that because, or Milwaukee, because then they just need a role player because they already have their stars. Yep. But these right. teams in the middle, they're just taking, they're throwing crap against the wall, seeing if it sticks. And hoping let's it take, works. Yeah. Let's take a guy who averaged nine and five, because he's really runs fast and jumps high. He scored nine points a game. And somehow we think he's going to be the next LeBron James. How often does that happen? It doesn't happen very often, but that's how they pick. And, and that's what they're looking at. They're always looking upside potential ceilings and, and forgetting about the floors. And, and that's why I, I even look at it this draft. Like uh, you pick the number one pick. I love Cade Cunningham. I think he's really good. I think Jalen Green has the most upside in the draft, but I take Kate Cunningham because Kate Cunningham has the highest floor of these guys that were going to go at the top of the draft. So, you know, at some point you got to make that decision. You're going to get a star, you know, and, and when you slide down, you're at seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, you know, what, what are you picking for? Are you picking for a guy who can be a really solid player? I think that was kind of the, the pick the bulls were making there for a while. And it doesn't work if you can't attract a, a star free agent. So, you know, at the end of the day, what's your goal? Is your goal to win 45 games or is your goal to win an NBA title? And, and that's what they're, that's what they're rolling the dice on. So I, I don't know. I, I get more into the, I, I just don't think they do a great job of putting their teams together. I don't think they quite understand that basketball is still a game of, you know, even, I mean, most dominant player, LeBron, outside of LeBron James, the most dominant player in the last 10 years is Steph Curry. Kevin Durant lately, but I mean, you could, Steph Curry has changed the game. Yep, he he wasn't six seven to six nine, but he had a, he had a crazy skill. Um, but you know, he played with guys, other guys who were you know, Clay Thompson, crazy skill. I mean, you know, so they have guys who are really good at things. But then the guy who made that team go a little bit was Draymond Green, who doesn't do anything great, does everything well, but maybe he's that Swiss Army knife guy. So I don't know. I just it's I feel like there's a lot to it, a lot more to it than that, than just the big 10. I think it's just the, that's what they look for. I think they make some mistakes and because they're always picking to, to draft the huge upside because they, you know, and that's why most of them end up getting fired. Well, you know, I, I agree, but at the same time, and I agree, I hear what you're saying, but 
is still a slap in the face of the Big Ten because those kids aren't. And the thing I like about the first round is that it gives you guaranteed money. I mean, I, I do like that. And the second round, guys, yes, they have to work. They have to earn it. And I hope Io gets everything that he deserves. But, like, my, I guess my thing is you still have to put the ball in the basket. You still have to play defense. You have to, you have to make free throws. When I hear these guys talk about, you know, oh, this is a great pick because – he can really jump out of the gym. He can't shoot it very well. And everything you heard about Iles, like they were trying to find something off his game. Oh, he's a great player, but what does he do really, really well? He wins. You know, you said he couldn't shoot. Well, he's a good three-point shooter. You said he couldn't defend. He's proven he can defend. He's one of the best finishers. He's one of the best closers. Everyone talked about how well he, you know, how well he does in his interviews and you know how detailed he is. Quit trying to find excuses and just get basketball players. That is why, honestly, I mean, not just because of Iowa. This has nothing to do with it except for this podcast. I don't watch it. I've seen too many guys that I know that should have been drafted. I'll give you another one. Chase Randall is from my area. He told me that the reason he will never stick in the NBA, and he was player of the year, I think, in 2011, I think, or something like that. He shared it for Mr. Basketball. He told me he'll never stick in the NBA because he could – He'll get a 10-day contract or, or a partial, and then he'll stick around. But if somebody has a better contract than him, he has to go, even if he outplays them. What is that? You know what I'm saying to you? Even if you're a good enough player and you know you're better than the guy sitting on the bench, but because they have the contract, you're not going to be able to stick around in the NBA. This is why I, I'm not a fan. I'm just for reasons like that. Well, that, 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 there's a lot of issues to thread through there. Now, part of that contract thing is gets into the salary cap and some of the ramifications. You know, I would listen to some of my buddies who played in the NFL and they would talk about how, you know, you didn't, you know, you didn't want to make too much money if you weren't starting, but you didn't want to not make enough. So, I mean, you know, and I think that's a little bit the same in the NBA. Uh, the, the thing that I see, I guess, in the Big Ten is, is my biggest issue with the refereeing is more from the fan standpoint of just watching the games. Um, and then do I, I do, I do think that, that one of the challenges and the, and this Brad hit on a really interesting point is that roster construction, you know, you really need to know what you need at each position to run your offense and defense, which is what I think coach Underwood does a great job of, when you listen to him talk about what he's trying to recruit. And I think the guy who's the poster child for that in professional sports is Bill Belichick. He knows that if he needs a linebacker, he knows how fast they need to run, what they ought to bench. And he's more concerned than other than the physical stuff about the mental things. And I think one of the things that, that is the issue is, is I think the GMs, they haven't figured out that as Harry Carey used to say, Potential is a French word that means you haven't done shit yet. And the bottom line is, is they look at a guy and they go, oh my gosh, he's six foot seven to six foot nine. And he hit, he hit a three pointer two years ago. And, and now we're going to go ahead and that's going to be the guy. And I, I, honest to God, let's face it. If Io would have had a height that you could round up to six foot six, he probably goes 20, 20, point, 20 places earlier. And if he had grown to six foot seven, he's probably in the top 10, not based on anything other than his height. 
the only weakness I can see in IO's game, if I'm looking as a guy who's coached for 15 years, the only way that I would attack him, and, and again, weakness is a, is a word that's, you know, I use it, you know, kind of tentatively here, but his lateral speed isn't great. So I may go after him, you know, uh, attack him, you know, directly, forcing him to use his lateral quickness. But again, he's not slow, you know. Um, yep. I, think, I think it goes down to the fact that, you know, that right now the big thing in the NBA is six foot seven to six foot nine and, and the uh, thought that you could possibly be a decent outside shooter. Just like when we were younger, if you were, you know, Kofi 25 years ago would have went in the first pick after his freshman year, game over, he's done. Um, and I just think right now the whole lemming, you know, we're all going to do what each other does. And it seems to be a six, seven to six, nine wing. We're all going to run to, to that guy, no matter what. And maybe I'm wrong. I wonder hey, what Kofi's thinking right now. Looking smart. He's thinking, Kofi's thinking I'm going to make a million dollars a year in, in name image likeness. So this is awesome. And, and I'm going to make as much as I owe. And, uh, and, and, and I'm going to be hanging out on college campuses. No, but here, here's my thing. My favorite thing looking at these draft guys, and they're fine. Like Jay Billis said tonight, it was a great quote from Jay Billis. He said, boy, I'm glad this kid got rewarded for his talent, even though he didn't produce. That's not rewarding. That's just you won the genetic lottery and you still sucked. And so now we're supposed to reward you. I mean, that, that's not a good – you've quit like four teams, so we're going to reward you. But he's a Duke guy, so Jay Billis loved him. So anyway, but then – but there's like this. I listen to these guys say, he has a fantastic step-back, sidestep, jump, fadeaway jump shot. And I'm like, that's awesome. And, and the problem, I think, in the NBA right now for watching it is we're watching these guys. We're like, look at these shots they can make. Well, you know, there's no points for degree of difficulty last time I checked. I mean, you it's either two or three or an and one or whatever, but it's two or three. Whether it's a wide open three, a step back three, whether I shoot it from the logo, it's not like I get bonus points. There's no four points. It's not the MTV Jock Jams game where you get like 10 points if you hit it from half court. I mean, I don't understand why we're putting such a premium on the ability. I mean, I get you want to be able to get your shot off in, in, in late shot clock situations, but we put such a premium on guys who can make crazy shots. We forget our goal isn't to get a crazy shot. We'd rather get a dunk. We'd rather get something at the rim. We'd rather get a wide open step in three. I mean, and I think that's the difference between, you know, these guys are so good at creating their own shot that they're not as good. I mean, look back at the Lakers. How many how many step-back threes did Magic Johnson take in his career? They, they seem to score okay. Well, am I wrong? Yes, they did. Am I wrong? But because he set guys up. I remember, you know, Jamal Wilkes shooting the roundabout shot around his head, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. but it went in. You know what I mean? But, you know, the, the, I don't get it. Like, I mean, I just – I don't – I mean, even Jordan, like, you know, talked about he, – he hit – they talked about him being able to – I guess he was different, but, you know, he could just get a shot off. But he didn't take like he didn't. Did Jordan shoot a ton of step backs? No, he shot a little fadeaway. But I mean, he was just a different. I guess he's a different animal. But man, we've just changed the game so much. Like we want to bring the ball down, dribble 15 seconds off the clock, and shoot a step back. And so we got to have six, seven to six, nine guys who can jump out of the gym and throw it at the rim. So maybe we can get the rebound after we take a bad shot. Uh, and every, everybody overanalyzes everything. 
thing. Some of these people just want to be to be heard, to be saying something. Oh, he needs to do, he needs to do that. And at the end of the day, we can sit here and do this podcast for three hours. You have to make baskets and you have to play defense. No matter how, how you look at it, the game's never going to change from that. And I think the scouts has lost sight of it. Because the game is not what it once was. The ratings aren't what they once were. And, like, I, you know, there was one time I knew every – I know, Mike, I know your son said it on one podcast. Yeah, I think he still does. There was a time I knew every single person on every, every NBA roster, every one of them. I watched every NBA game. I was more in NBA than almost college. Right now, I said to you, you could, I don't think I've watched a full NBA game in five years. I just – I have no interest. Yeah, I – I will tell you the frustrating thing that I got out of this draft is seeing Jalen Johnson from Duke, a guy who quit on his high school basketball team and then quit on his college team. And some GM is going to give him a third chance to quit on them because he's six foot nine. He can't shoot. Oh no, Mike, you're forgetting. He actually quit on one high school team went to another high school team, then quit on that team, then went to IMG and then quit on that team and then went to back to his other high school team and played some yeah. games. Then he went to college, then he quit. So you, you yeah. forgot a lot of quitting that went in there. It's like, a- <laughs> I tell you what, but I mean, I, I'll be damned if I would, if I would draft somebody and, and it's not about this kid personally, but with that track record and you think I'm going to, as a GM, I'm going to put my job on the line for somebody who's quit five times, and I'm going to get a wheelbarrow of money and give it to him and then cross my fingers and hope that he develops a jump shot. I, 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 that's the draft pick out of this whole thing that I could not – you wouldn't you wouldn't get me to do that in a 1,000 years. And then I, I also felt sorry for Io, and I felt sorry for Butler from um, down here in Baylor – because those yep. are two players who were just kicked. Every time I turned on the TV, those two players were getting results, playing with intensity, and they were the guys who led their teams to victories, and, and they slide down that far. I just was – obviously, I've, I've become grumpy old man, but I just literally was like, seriously? The, the, you're really going to let these guys drop? And obviously, if either one of them was 6'7 to 6'9 – they would have been up there with Cade to see who the number one pick was. Was um wasn't Butler the uh, player of the? I mean, most outstanding player. Am I running wrong here? Yeah, I thought so in the in the NCAA. Right, right. Yes, so here, he here's a, okay. Let me go over the here. You want to know my shocker in first round? Remember how Kofi? We had this. Well, Kofi can't do this, and Kofi can't do that, and yep. struggles this. Dayron Sharp is a six foot eleven, two hundred and sixty five pound guy. Went to North Carolina. Shot 50% from the line, 52% from two. He did throw a couple threes at the rim. Um, and he played less than half the minutes at North Carolina on the season. Half, he played like 19 minutes a game. And that guy went in the first round. So what is it? I mean, is he better defensively? Okay, maybe he blocks a few more shots. It's, I, I, I it's the ACC, baby. I'm telling you. Just kidding. I mean, Brad has to do something. I mean, I mean, seriously, I don't know. I mean, it's – Again, I don't know I, 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 whether the parent was right or not. I don't know. You know, that remains to be seen. But it has to be something because I remember seeing that too. I was sitting here watching that and I thought, "There's no way in the world you're going to tell me this guy's a better athlete and he's better than Kofi." It's impossible. But I'm going to tell you right now, Kofi probably would have went 
58th or 60th, or he or he might not have got drafted. That's insane. This guy uh, yeah. is one of the best, best bigs in the game, and yet you try to find a reason to not draft him. And I don't know what it is. I don't. I can say that whatever it is, where this, you know, you mentioned the second round, but I'm telling you, I think the coaches in the Big Ten and the officials, they better do something because it is a, it's an embarrassment to me. It's a great conference. It's a great fan base. It has good history, but two, two kids. I mean, yeah. and and granted, I know what you're saying about the second round, but from a PR standpoint, I just think it's a bad look. I, I, I really do. I'm sorry, I do. Well, hopefully Andre Carbello can change us next year. So we can get a third one. So, so I'm going back to my day Ron Sharp thing, because this is really, it, it stumped me because I was in conference. So in conference, he played 19 minutes a game. His offensive rating was 99.4. He shot 50% for the field, 50% for the line and drew 5.8 fouls per 40 minutes, blocked 3.4 percentage of shots, 19.90 rebound, 24.6. Here's Kofi in conference. Kofi in conference, 118.8 offensive rating. Shot 54% from the line, 66% from the field. Had a free throw rate of 61.4. Drew seven fouls per 40 minutes and blocked more shots per 40 minutes and rebounded at the same rate. How are you? What about the assists, Brad? What about the assists? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess they he had a better assist rate because he had a couple. Well, but, again, yeah. I, th- I think it goes down to, um, you know, the, 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 there may be a reason, you know, the NBA is a star system. And, you, you know, you don't maybe have the propensity for the teams that you have, you know, like the NFL, you know, you get, you get Tom Brady and you put a bunch of anonymous people or, you know, give him a decent offensive line and he can throw to any wide receiver, tight end or, or running back. And, and I don't know, I go back to that, to that Belichick example where he's won over 20 years and the players are almost interchangeable at their positions. He just finds similar guys. And I just, I, I have a hard time believing Connor wrote that article on how Kofi makes it to the NBA and his article looks better today than when he wrote it because he had a hard time believing that Kofi wouldn't fit on new, you know, quite a few teams. And then you see Dayron go in the first round and you're like, well, you know, Kofi's five times the player, but Kofi's production. And then we're back to this weird potential. And that's why you see the NBA GMs losing their jobs because they, they try to pull a rabbit out of a hat. And, and many times, you know, it's just some sort of, uh, nothing you know when they pull it out and you know a year later you find out you just hired you just you just drafted an, an empty uh, uniform I, it's it's it was kind of surprising this year well like we said earlier, I, I hope i hope you know proves everybody wrong i mean i saw pictures and i kind of felt bad for the guy i knew i know a lot of times these scouts or these gyms will tell you hey if you're available here we're gonna pick you I think it's tough if you're in the green room sitting there and you're the last guy being, you know, being picked, to, you know. But at the end of the day, I guess if you look at the big picture, he's got a chance to prove himself. You know, I hope he takes advantage of it because he's a good, he's a good, good young man. He does everything by the book. You know, we're never going to figure out the NBA, but I'll tell you what, if, if they keep taking this route and doing these things, 
I just think it's going to hurt the game. To me, like I said to you, I'm not one of the only guys, but I never played football. But if I had to pick between the NFL football game and NBA basketball game, I'm watching the NFL, even baseball. I just – I can't – because if you're good enough in baseball, you could live in a town of six people. They're going to find you, and you're going to play. You know, in football, they just pick the – they pick the right people. I mean, and it doesn't matter what school you're from. They just pick the right people. In the NBA, and like I said, it's just different. And the one thing I'll say this year, we didn't see a lot of overseas players. I didn't – I mean, I know the last couple of years, and, that, and that's not a bad thing. I just – I was expecting, you know, to see a lot more of those and – you know, this year we did have more college basketball players, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's it, 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 like I said, it was a it was an interesting evening. Um, definitely was one that um, I, I think with Io's propensity to add things to his game every year, um, it'll be very interesting to see what he puts out on the court next year because we know that his skill sets will be improved as good as he did this year and you look at what he, you know, what he accomplished, um, you know, he, we know he's going to come loaded for bear and he's going to be a better player. Um, I, I think it's a heck of a, it's a heck of a steal for the bulls at 38 to get a guy who averaged 20.1 points per game, 6.3 rebounds, 5.3 assists, 1.1 steals, 49% shooting and 39% from the three. You're, you're just reading. You're just reading the Chicago Bulls Twitter, aren't you? Yep, I am because it's <laughs> it's like it's like it is a heck of a steal, isn't it? I mean, and you look at it that, is. and then we all know his shooting percentages at the end of a game were were unholy. So, yep. the, you know, I, I feel like he's going into a place that he's going to develop as a player, and I think three four years from now, a lot of people are going to wonder how that. How the heck did people pick, you know, this guy, that guy, and the other guy ahead of him in the draft? Yeah, his work ethic is gonna is gonna take care of itself. I just hope he gets a fair shake because he'll prove everybody wrong. That's you know he thrives on that. That's just who he is, and I like that. So, Brad, any any thoughts to wrap us up here? We're gonna we're gonna get this simulcast uh, of Eye on the Illini and Sturdy for 30 kind of wrapped up so we don't take too long and we can get it out there, uh, folks, to listen to on your uh, drive into work tomorrow. I think uh, I think I was going to have a great career. Um, I think it's a good fit for him, even though he went in the second round. He'll end up getting a, a nice deal. Um, the other thing I would say, I, I'm going to tell you, Houston is going to be very good in a couple of years. So yeah. there's my there's my pick for the future. I, I think they're going to be really good in a couple of years. So out of this draft. All right. Ked. There you go. Well, Thanks, Brian. Here's, my, here's my take. I don't care about any of the teams other than the Bulls. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to hide it. I don't. If Houston's great, I love you, Bradley. <laughs> More power to you. I'm just rooting for Ildu Sumu. And I, because this kid turned Illinois around and he did something where other people wouldn't do they ran away and I was pulling I'm pulling for this kid because he's a winner he's professional and he does everything right and he does it by the book so you know I'm happy for him I hope he makes as much money as he can to take care of his family the Bulls Chicago thank you for taking a chance and giving this guy a chance to play in front of his, his hometown and his friends and family so we'll see what he can do all righty well I'll take it home then um if you listen to the first Eye on the Illini that we did back with the original 
Illini Guys uh, podcast when we came out and talked about what we were doing um, to start IlliniGuys.com. I said that Io was my favorite Illini of all time because of what he did to take this program from irrelevance to a national title contender. And I will always be extremely uh, a fan of his. I want him to do fantastic in Chicago. So this day is over. I hope he uses that to motivate him and keep the uh, steel sharp on a day that maybe he doesn't want to work so hard. Remember what this day feels like. I think he's going to make a lot of NBA GMs know exactly the pain that he felt over the next few years. So for the Illini guys, and that includes uh, Brad Sturdy here, one of the founders of IlliniGuys.com, Kedrick Prince, the director of recruiting. I'm Mike Kegley. Uh, we will tell you that whether you live in Champaign or Chicago, whether you live halfway across the country or halfway across this big planet, you need to be subscribed to IlliniGuys.com so that you know everything that is going on about Illini sports. Thank you very much, everybody, and we will talk to you later on.